Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. Good morning and welcome to Arts R Us. I'm Noreen Mitchell and I'm here in the studio with my co-host Karen Cassian. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Noreen. And we're pleased to welcome to the studio today someone well known to us, a friend, Don Huddlestone, who's a writer and an editor and now an artist. Thanks for joining us, Don. Thanks for having me. Good morning. I know you, Don, from a Skoka Novel Marathon a few years back, but I know of you as a writer and an editor and a journalist. And now you're embarking on something totally new and I'd like us to talk about that but not right away if that's okay of course so um, how long have you lived in Muskoka we moved here in 2007 so 15 years where did you move from we moved well I grew up in Alberta and so most recently in Calgary we moved here looking for something different we had lived in Calgary for a long time. Uh, my daughter was born there, and uh, the city was experiencing some growing pains, and we thought it would be a good time to leave, and we landed here. I don't know if everyone knows that your husband, Matt Huddleston, I, I, we don't need to talk about Matt, but just to, to say that your husband run, is the general manager of the uh, Hunts, Algonquin Theatre in Huntsville. Mm-hmm. He is. He is. Yeah. Yes. And well known, probably more so than I am to a lot of people. I wouldn't say oh, that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, that say that either. Because yeah. I certainly know you have had a byline in many magazines, local magazines. I have looked for it. I've seen you writing. You can write on anything. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. You're the person. If you need someone to write something, I would say, Dawn, you're the person. And arts and or cult- edit. culture. You've done. You've been so great for arts and culture in this town. Um, sometimes you're a photographer too, right? I am. It's part of the work that I do, and I just love photography in general. Um, it's something that I've been doing for, I guess, coming on almost 20 years now, but mostly for personal use or for friends and family, not so much as a, an artistic pursuit. But ha- that has translated now into your artistic pursuit, has it, it not? It has. Mm-hmm. It has. Yeah. It's a, the, the work that I'm doing now is a direct result of the photography that I love so much. So we know that you've been an admirer and supporter of the visual arts all this time. And given your brilliant Doppler online initiative last year, I want to say congratulations on that. Thank you. It was uh, it was fun to connect with so many local artists and help get their word out during the pandemic. It's amazing, isn't it, how many there are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. hundreds, and all of them so talented. And you built up a gallery, kind of a visual gallery, week by week, profiling a work by and the work of an artist. Mm-hmm. And I know that many artists have appreciated that greatly, so I wanted to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And that was a terrific initiative. We almost, mm-hmm. uh, we often stole from your uh, your shows and uh, <laughs> found those <laughs> I mean, artists yes, thanks to you. So yeah. thank you. Yes. Yes. So there, that was sort of a, a challenge uh, that was uh, met through the pandemic. I'd like to know how the pandemic affected you. Me personally, um, I mean, we were fortunate in many ways that we weren't hugely affected. Part of that because we live in Muskoka, where we didn't deal with the virus on the level that a lot of other places did. Um, But my, you know, Matt was out of work for a while, laid off because the the whole Mm -hmm. theater community was um, decimated really by COVID. And uh, and we had a close friend who died from COVID, so that was oh, uh, terrible, painful. But um, 
you know, and there were a lot of people that suffered far more than we did. And uh, Did you spend a lot of time in the city? I, I don't know if it was you or Matt who posts, and you seem to be in Toronto during COVID. Matt has family in the city. So oh, is that what it is? He, okay. Yeah, so I thought, oh, they're in the city again. There. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that keeps you abreast of what's going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. It does indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know that you... Um, submitted you were on the in the art crawl in june as an artist and this was with your new technique but before that you did an artistic thing that surprised me which i became aware that you had this creative bent uh, for non-literary arts was the paddle and the paddle art auction of last year that was in the partners hall and it was really unique could you talk about that one I could, and and funny enough, I had actually intended to use my new technique with that paddle um, and left it too late and couldn't make it happen. That would be very interesting, though, very yeah, different. It would know? be, and I mm-hmm. and I have used it on paddles since, but uh, for that particular paddle, um, I wanted to submit something, but I wanted it to be very different, and I'm not a painter, so painting it was really out of the question. Um, and I love science, which also plays into this new technique that I use. So I created a paddle that I called um, Paddling is in my DNA uh, and created a scale model of a DNA helix using the shaft as the center of it. What's a helix? Uh, the it's, double helix? It's the double helix that oh. uh, is the form that DNA takes oh, okay. if you look at okay. it under a, a very strong microscope. And uh, and then on the face of the paddle, um, I created, a, which wasn't my idea, I've seen it done many other places, but sort of the evolution of paddling from, you know, our distant ancestors right up to a man or woman carrying a canoe. So it was great fun to do. It was certainly um, novel and uh, fun. It was fun, you know, because it's three-dimensional as well as on the paddle, it was had a whole sculptural quality to it. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. And I think in, in that auction, many artists don't know where their paddles end up. I was fortunate that friends from the UK purchased that paddle. Oh, isn't that great? And they have a, a condo here, and so they've left it in their condo here, so I can continue to see it whenever I visit Very them. nice. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, science in your life. Where do nature and science fit in your life? Uh, well, I have always loved nature. Um, growing up in Alberta, my family spent a lot of time camping in the mountains, and uh, and we spent a lot of time hiking. Um, I have a science degree in biology. Um, taking it because I love science, not really knowing what I was going to do with it, and I, I don't work in biology anymore, but it, uh, it has instilled a lifelong love of science and learning science in me. So the connection, nature and science, had, mm-hmm. is connected into your art, really. It is. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And uh, and I just, I mean, how can you not love nature living here? We have, we're surrounded by it and it's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Um, all you have to do is take notice of what surrounds you, really. So we can move now maybe to talk a little bit about that um, technique called cyanotype that you are utilizing now. Like, first of all, uh, how did you know about it? How did you even discover it. She's a scientist. Yes, that's right. Well, actually, yeah, I guess the history part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, um, it was something that I came across, I think on Instagram quite a few years ago and sort of logged it at the back of my mind as something that just looked really interesting to try. And then during the pandemic, when everyone was locked at home and looking for things to do, I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can figure out how to do this. Um, and couldn't find the chemicals anywhere that I need because it's, it is a chemical process that creates the image. 
and they were nowhere to be found, I guess, because a lot of people had the same idea. So it wasn't until last year that I was able to try again just before the paddle art auction, which didn't give me enough time for that, but it allowed me to... Where did you find your chemicals? uh, You can buy a kit at uh, some art stores. I've been getting mine from Above Ground Art Supply in Toronto. Um, since have transitioned to buying the chemicals in bulk because I use too much of them. But it's it's quite accessible if it's something that people want to try on their own. Okay. So let's describe what cyanotype is. Sure. So I'll start with a little bit of the history because that's um, kind of where it starts. So way back in the 1820s, there was this huge movement, um, photographic movement of people trying to figure out ways to capture images on various substances. And so around 1840, a man named uh, John Herschel, who has since been knighted, so he's now Sir John Herschel, Mm -hmm. uh, developed this process of using two iron salt compounds, um, one of which is reactive to light. And when they're combined and layered with some kind of um, negative or uh, material, will capture an image. And then you just wash the rest of the chemicals away and off you go. So uh, he started that in 1840 as a way to um, reproduce his notes. He was an astronomer, a chemist, a botanist. He did a lot of things, as a lot of people did at that time. And um, as early as Xerox. <laughs> it was. And in fact, the uh, many people will be familiar with the term blueprint in architectural drawing. And that's where that term came from, because it was the cyanotype process that was used to capture those architectural and te- technical drawings in the 1800s. Uh, And then it was a friend of John Herschel's, Anna Atkins, who popularized it as a way for capturing botanical prints. Um, She did that with um, algae in the UK and created a book out of some of her works, um, which was the first photographically produced book. And also because of that, she's considered to be the first female photographer. So a lot of great history there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, at its heart, the process is really quite simple. You take two different iron salt compounds, dissolve them in water, mix them together, coat a solution that will absorb it and expose it to the sun. Um, but you can do so much more with it. So you're using a negative, like a, a, to print it. Yeah, so you can, so for example, I use watercolor paper a lot because it's um, very absorbent and stands up to washing. I coat that surface with the solution and then place either natural materials like feathers or uh, leaves. I can use flowers um, or a digital negative that I've printed with my computer and uh, and keep that in contact with the paper while it exposes to UV light and any area that is not covered by a shadow of some kind will turn blue and the rest will be white or shades of lighter blue and that's how you achieve the image. eh? And the cyan is like the cyan of printing that we know. Mm -hmm. That's right, the blue color. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating. We're going to come back and talk more about cyanotype and we're going to talk with Don Huddleston. We'll be right back. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. We're back on Arts R Us. I'm Noreen Mitchell with Karen Cassian, and we're interviewing Don Huddlestone this morning, and we're talking about cyanotype. So you have used this successfully as an artistic medium, and you were uh, featured in the art crawl in June in a Laura restaurant. What has been the response as people see this? It's been fantastic. Um, 
Alora was really gracious in allowing me to use a huge section of their wall to display some of my work. And I've heard from so many people first that didn't know that I did this process and then wondering what it actually is because it's unfamiliar to so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it was a really great experience and I hope a lot of people were able to get out and, and view all of the artists because there was some really amazing art. It wasn't that, that was a great displayed. initiative. I, I yeah, love that. It's yeah. fantastic. Oh, in the future, are you going to use, put this on different materials? Is that your plan? So I've, I've done that a bit already. So um, watercolor paper is a great medium to work with or a, a great substance to work with. Uh, I've also used some fabrics. Um, I've placed it on lampshades. Um, I'd love I can, to see that. That sounds it, interesting. It's, it's very cool. Um, it can be used on um, some wood materials. So I've done it on some paddles. Uh, I've done it on birch bark. It's a bit more challenging because wood um, is very absorbent, but also can have residual resins and tannins, which can affect the chemistry of the cyanotype. Um, One thing that I'm experimenting with now, which I know can be done because lots of people have, is cyanotype on glass, which is a different process because glass is not absorbent, of course, but by using uh, a gelatin carrier, you can get it to... um, to develop onto glass and it uh, it really glows from within almost it sounds like a fascinating medium to be working with today too yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and i know you can make certain effects by changing the chemical composition of is that correct it is so there's uh not that long ago i think maybe 10 years ago or so there was a, an artist who started playing with some of the chemistry and uh, and developed a wet process cyanotype which involves adding some usually acidic things like vinegar or citric acid just to alter the chemistry and uh, you can get some lovely rust and green colors out of that process and then also once uh, a traditional cyanotype has developed and dried you can do a process called toning. Um, really, any sort of substance that contains tannins will react with the iron in um, the cyanotype solution. And so you can tone it to a sepia color, something that's a little bit more grayish, um, even some lovely green tones. Could you get various colors if you were like dripping? step into the like could you get more than one color Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can do that and it's uh not so much intentionally this cyanotype process is quite unpredictable that's what i like uh, about it i think it sounds (laughs) great it is and it's it's a great way to really just let yourself free to play because you don't Mm -hmm. really know what you're going to get until you're done Mm -hmm. Um, and that makes it a lovely thing to work with because you let go of expectation are you obliged to work outdoors No, um, you can use a UV light indoors to do this, which is great because in the winter here, the UV is so weak that it's really a challenge to bake any sort of cyanotype. Plus, it's not nice to stand out in the cold. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, uh, I do have a small UV lamp, and I have plans this winter to build something a bit larger so that I can do bigger works indoors. So you'll have a studio or special place that you'll work? My kitchen table. Oh, well. Mine's my dining room <laughs> table. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> So do you try and do this at a set time or have a routine to work on things or does it hit you, the spirit move you? Uh, I do some cyanotype work every day and of course being a a maker who is um, just me, I'm also preparing for markets and uh, trying to get word of my work out there on my own so I can't spend all of my time making art although I would like to. Uh, but yes, I, as long as it's a sunny day, I will try to work outside. So usually I can't do that until after about noon when the UV is a little bit stronger. Um, or if it's been a busy day, I'll spend some time with my UV lamp in the evening. 
How long will a, a, the process take? And do you begin and you have to complete the process all at once? You can't sort of leave it and come back, right? It depends on which process I'm using. So the the traditional classic cyanotype, you you start and you leave it until it's been fully exposed. Which takes, um, how long would that take? It really depends on um, the strength of UV and the type of image that you're working with. So for something botanical, like a maple leaf, for example, I could leave that out for a long time. It probably wouldn't need longer than five or six minutes in the sun, but there's really no way for me to overexpose that. If I'm working with a photo negative, the timing becomes really crucial because it can go from underexposed to perfect to overexposed very okay. quickly. I read something about fading and then restoring it. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting fact. Could you tell us it about is. that? It is, and it's. I'm not quite sure how that wrote that works, but um, it is a really interesting feature of cyanotype. It shouldn't really be displayed in direct sunlight, but if it is, or even just in indirect light and starts to fade over time, if you take the cyanotype and place it in a dark drawer, for example, for a few days to a week, it will regenerate its color. Oh, wow. Mm, it's fascinating. <laughs> That's really interesting. So what does that mean for you? You have to be careful where you... Uh... I do. I have to be careful where I'm working. So uh, when I'm coating papers with solution, I have to make sure I'm in a dim area. Otherwise, it will start to expose just from light moving around in the room. Um, and storage um, becomes tricky for the same reason of, of a pre-exposed paper. So I don't generally do those until right before I need them because not only will sunlight affect them, humidity will affect the chemistry so as well. Do you have to tell that to your buyers? Uh, mm -hmm. Once it's been developed, it's pretty stable. Okay, other than okay. just the um, it's just working the, on it, yeah. the direct light. It's mm -hmm. it's when working on okay. it that it's okay. a problem. Yeah. So you're a writer. How do you find doing titles give for your works? Like, you know, do you find I that have, easy? No, I have oh. a very hard time with creating titles. And in fact, I will most often just name them exactly what they are. <laughs> I, I should probably spend some more time being a bit more creative with that, but I haven't so far. I want to mention that to our listeners that you are wearing a pendant today of your own making, which is a feather inside of a, like mm -hmm. a, a cabochon. Uh, yep. And it's lovely. Thank and you. Is that, is that the same process? It is the same wow. process. So this was a very tiny little feather that I found. It's sort of a silvery gray color. So I, I think it may have been from a morning dove, perhaps not entirely. Do you positive, sell those but at the I market? I do. Yeah, oh, I sell um, just about every type of work that I do. You should talk about your website because mm -hmm. I believe that's where some things available for sale appear. There are a few things. Um, again, I don't keep it as updated as I probably should, but uh, my website is birchnotescreative.square.site and there is a store there. Um, and of course, I'm at some local markets, the Dwight Farmers Market, until the end of this month. What day of the week is Dwight? It's on Wednesdays. Um, and I'll be at the Brackenrig Nursery in September, September 17th, for their final seed pod event, which is a Great. fantastic initiative. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll be back at the Dwight Market on Saturday, September 24th, for their fall market. Wow, you're a busy lady. And you also went to Erewhon Pines. Oh my gosh, Erewhon Pines. If uh, if anyone has never experienced Erewhon Pines or this particular event, which is their 100-mile barbecue challenge, um, they do sell tickets every year. It's uh, 
incredible food, incredible setting, and a lovely small market of artisans. Um, I ate my way through the day. It was lovely. <laughs> it's just something I've I, want, yeah, I have not done it, and I oh, want to do it. Their Janine food Martin is amazing. Put me on the yeah. track for that, and I would love to do that. Mm, it's fantastic. And I highly recommend it. It's it's always in July. Yeah, keep mm-hmm. an eye on their social feeds or. Um, their website for details. You mentioned Dwight Market, but also coming up in Dwight, you have uh, something in September, which is... I do. So the the Dwight Library has a small art space, and they graciously open that up to artists to display their work. So I will have things there for most of the month of September. Um, and if I may, I'll just give a plug for libraries, because oh, yes. libraries are so crucial to small communities. And mm-hmm. uh, the Dwight Library is working on expanding so that they can serve that community better. But all of the libraries in Muskoka are just a fantastic resource. And they're about so much more than books. So support your for libraries, sure. people. Yes. Yeah, I understand you're giving some proceeds from your sales to the Dwight Expansion Project. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I, I also recently did a workshop um, that they gave me space to do. And part of the proceeds from that went to their expansion fund as well. That's great. Well, we, like we're hoping have... that you'll have a solo show in Partners yeah. Hall as part of the Huntsville Art <laughs> Society next that. year. Yes. yes it's, it's such a, a unique medium. Uh, we haven't seen anything like that around. I'm sure there is, but but Noreen and I haven't had... Well, well now Dawn is a member and also um, active participant. Yes, we're, and we're trying to get her more active. Art Society. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, Be we're careful, be... Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> I've been warned. <laughs> How do you think that's a benefit to you and to others? To, to join something. To join yeah. the, something like the yeah. Huntsville yeah. Art Society. Well, I think it's it's great for a lot of reasons. One, um, it just allows you to connect with other artists. Um, and, you know, it's it, while we love our art, there are challenges involved. And, you know, that sense of community can really help to overcome those. Um, it's also a great way to get your work known by other people. Because so, for, for instance, you can see Dawn's work on the Huntsville Art Society website. That's mm-hmm. correct. And her profile. Yes. Yeah. yeah there, and there's uh, quite a few other beautiful artists, um, the work of the beautiful work of other artists uh, visible on that site as well. And uh, and Muskoka is just so rich with artistic talent. So yes, if you haven't been on that website, definitely a place to go check it out. Well, we urge you to look at uh, cyanotypes in the various places and find Don work, Don's work and enjoy it very much. It's quite unique, quite different. And I wish you well with it. Thank, Thank you for you. joining us. It's, it's been so interesting, Don. Yes. Good luck to you. Thank yes. you for having me. I love this process, and I hope a lot of other people get to love it too. Okay, we have the listings for today. Karen, what have you got today for what's coming up in the performing arts? Well, in the performing arts, um, I'm not going to list all the dates, but the Huntsville Festival of the Arts has an amazing lineup for the fall. They finished their summer lineup at this point, and it was a great summer. But in, uh, looking forward to Tom Cochran, Jan Arden, Serena Ryder, uh, Johnny Reed, all of those at uh, um, Deerhurst. Also, the Nutcracker um, is coming to the Algonquin Theater, Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Um, go to their site huntsvillefestival.ca to uh, find out what else they have but it's going to be an amazing fall and winter season well before fall comes we have some summer things still happening Mm -hmm. and visual arts and currently on in partners hall until august 31st is pat whittle's waxing poetic three and these are mostly uncaustic works also batik and uh, hot and cold wax great show it is i bought a piece very successful 
Uh, that will be followed by another fabulous Huntsville Art Society artist, and that's Sylvia Kershaw, and her work is called A Retrospective of My Nature. I like that title. And that'll be for the month of September. And on to the end of September is the Huntsville Art Society uh, has 21 artists involved in the Summer at the Summit. It'll be the wrap-up of summer by then, but anyway, it'll be uh, 36 works on view there in the Summit Center. And we cannot forget the Square Foot North Show that is coming up. It's a fundraiser, and it's a, um, going to benefit Hospice Huntsville. And it's uh, in Partners Hall, Algonquin Theatre, on September 2nd in the evening from 6 to 9 p.m., and on September 3rd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Each work is valued at $300, so it's uh, come and grab one, <laughs> I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a, a great event. And the Huntsville Art Society also, is, uh, also has work in the library and the Huntsville Public Library. Jory Morrison is on currently. And uh, in addition, the Algonquin Grace Hospice, Huntsville Hospice, Hospice Huntsville, we have been told this should be Hospice Huntsville, um, has uh, Marika McDonald for the month of August. So she's there too. I want to give some credit too to Chapel Gallery. It was up and running again and they have a um, a show on in Chapel Gallery. Uh, Muskoka Arts and Crafts that is and it's called uh, Shorescapes so it's by Live Edge Forest and this is one that interests me like you like nature things Don was talking about those and I think that this is pebbles and stones and things like that oh I like Made that too beautiful use and Cole's Art Market presents Through My Daughter's Eyes this is a retrospective of Brenda Wayman Goulet's work and that's on until October I was 10th. just in there it's a beautiful uh, grouping of her sculptures it's well we're seeing and Arts Loop around Lake of Bays, artsloop.ca, Algonquin Art Center has artwork, <laughs> Algonquin Gallery in the Algonquin Room at the Visitor Center. And I want to mention, because we may have forgotten this a bit, is Art Trail Muskoka that is still active. If you see the purple banner out, the artist is in. And of course, this summer, I'm sorry, this summer ends, fall, to our art, tools, art tours are starting up. So the Halliburton Highlands Art Trail and their studio tour in the first two weekends of October. So there's still lots of art. There is. There is, however, only one Hunter's Bay radio. We, we are, are Muskoka. Muskoka.